Hey y'all, welcome to Geek Freaks. I am Frank, and today we are talking with Philip Myra, writer of Purple Eyes. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Frank? I'm doing excellent. Can you explain to everybody out there what this new project is, Purple Eyes? Of course, yeah. So Purple Eyes takes place in a world where 73 minutes before you die, your eyes turn a vibrant purple, and there's absolutely nothing you can do to change it. It's 100% accurate. There's no medical alleviation there's no choices you can make when your eyes turn purple you you have roughly 73 minutes left to live and this is an anthology where there's going to be 18 stories from 33 creators taking that writing prompt and just kind of going wild with it we have we have sports we have a sports uh story we have uh three different tales of revenge one's a comedy One's like a hardcore revenge, like something you see in an action movie. And the other one's kind of a petty revenge story. (laughs) That's another gallows humor type of comedy. Um, You know, with medical drama, we just have stories of, you know, like love, love stories. Um, Yeah, just a a wide variety mix that all play off of each other. And one of the things that we feel is unique to this anthology is we are meeting up about once a week, once every other week to figure out ways to link the stories together both narratively and visually so we're we're coming up with ways to say like all right the main character of story three is siblings with the main character of story 12 and maybe in story seven there's this like peculiar looking building um and in story like so that's the seven so like story like 13 or something is the same building but from a different angle and you're like oh that's these those two stories are taking place simultaneously but just on the other side of town like we're trying to you know that one's obviously a a harder type of way to do because you have to you know find visual key components that can be translated into the various artistic styles Mm -hmm. but yeah it's just like just this fun one-upping kind of like world building massive world building from all these amazing creators um plus like i said the stories themselves are individually you know have their own genres and flavors and it's just we're just super excited what we've been working on for months and now we can finally start slowly showing people yeah hey i like the idea that you're you're building a world narratively it's not necessarily like hey this is the world this is what it looks like you're actually giving little easter eggs as you go and you're putting it together yourself as a, as the reader which is really fun to do 18 stories 33 creators how did you guys manage this did you guys meet like over zoom all the time or one person's just got a really massive to-do list. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is my fourth anthology. So I'm used to the rhythm and like knowing how to gather people, but also knowing, you know, when what information the creators need and when and deadlines, setting schedules. So um, this one's obviously the largest, you know, <laughs> the largest gathering of creators and projects that I've, I've done so far, but uh you know I, how i built it was i had open submissions for about six weeks and from there i received 185 pitches and narrowing it down was a tremendous effort so much so that i originally wanted 12 stories and as mentioned that's 18 stories yeah um and that was that was me being like oh man this is just way too cool but this is all it was also me realizing the variety of ideas and creators uh, that did pitch and seeing that, you know, I 
the the book would be better if we melded more of these genres or these art styles together and to really fill the book. Um, so that's why I bulked into 18 stories. Uh, but as once those pitches were submitted or like they accepted, um, you know, I sent the, it took me a long time, but I sent the rejection emails to all, all the people that, that submitted. And I tried to leave it, you know, leave some personal, um, you know, some personal messages in each one, which took a while. And then, um, yeah, and then for the ones I accepted, I left, you know, even more of a personal message why I got accepted and what I enjoyed about it, either the pitches and or the creative teams. And then, yeah, uh, straight from there, it was coming up with, you know, I'm used to organizations just coming up with a shared folder of just all the information they need as far as templates from the printer so they understand. I mean, the key thing, if anyone's putting together an anthology, the biggest thing that I would say to let your creative teams know early on is when the page turn is because that's how they're going to format all their stories so if you yourself are just like all right i'm just going to have all these stories if you don't realize that there's a structure of like if you're only asking for even number of stories versus only asking for odd number of stories you know it's it's going to be different so like for me i asked for only odd number of stories because odd, odd page number of stories because mm-hmm. The first page is going to be like a title card that says the creative team. So that when the reader is going through, they're not flipping all the way to the front for the table of contacts to know, like checking the page number to see, you know, which badass has created that story. Um, So that, that lets all the creators think like the rhythm and and, they can pace their stories. Cause (laughs) that was one of the, I mean, like I said, it's my fourth anthology. So like, I, I understand, but there was one of my comics friends was telling me, he's like, yeah, I submitted this story into a into an anthology, and they asked me. They asked us to create an extra page because they had to think about <laughs> when the page turns were. Now all the how we paste that story and gave them the final art. Now they're asking for another. It, they're like, it's just a mess. They're like, yeah, it's just like, <laughs> yeah. So once once that's all done for us, we've been doing. You kind of mentioned so we've been doing Zoom Zoom meetings because they're just easier and communicating through email at least. For me, and with everyone at different parts of the world, um, you know, I haven't really found that much luck using Discord for something super granular, like just for this project. Uh, email's usually been good, and just having a shared folder that everyone has the rights, the permissions to read and write, so they can just add whatever info they need that they think anyone else wants to, you know, especially with the concepts of. You know, character character sketches because we're trying to rip off of each other type of thing, and just like uh, proper nouns, like buzzwords that might be used within like either slang or businesses or musicians or like mm-hmm. you know bands that might be uh, you know littered around the world. You know, it's yeah, it, it's you build enough of the framework, and your creators will you know fill it in and. and build the tools that they need to and then but you also <laughs> you also have to provide the tools also yeah yeah I, i'm sure they appreciate the structure too it helps when you have all these people uniting for one uh, you were talking about how you've already done anthologies in the past can you tell us about those anthologies and w- more importantly what you've learned from those anthologies to bring forward to purple eyes yeah of course so my previous three anthologies were all linked together and in, in the same series and that series is called crackle and those were 
a slight variation. So in those anthologies, I wrote all the stories within it and collaborated with artists from all over the world. So that that makes it a little bit different, but it's still the same type of organizational skills, um, you know, making sure deadlines are clear cut and making sure everyone has the information that they need. And um, yeah, so those those really are they didn't they really didn't have a theme like those are non themed uh, anthologies. They're just more like whatever was on my mind during that year, year and a half when those stories were created. But, you know, mm-hmm. looking back, you're like, oh, that's what was on my mind during that, during that year type of thing. Yeah. So those those anthologies, uh, you know, I love those anthologies. And uh, I, you know, I was at a crossroads when Crackle Volume Three ended, and uh, it went really well. That was my, it was my second Kickstarter that I did for Crackle Volume Three, and it had almost 250 backers, and it went, it went way above its goal. And I was, you know, I was at a crossroads. I was like, all right, well, I can do somewhat of the easier path of pursuing Volume Four. Or I can try either a new anthology or, or like one shot. And in Crackle Volume 3, the last story in the book, and it ended up being the last script that I wrote and the last story that was completed between all the artistic teams was Purple Eyes. And mm-hmm. that initial story kind of lingered with, with me. And for me as a creator, I truly believe in beginning middles and ends of stories that's what makes a story even the one pages that i create and so that purpleized the initial purpleized story has a definitive ending and then you know it doesn't there's no chance of extension or cliffhanger or anything like that but the world that we created the concept that i mentioned of the 73 minutes left to live and your eyes turning purple and this being a definitive thing and it happens for all humans it's non-selective like it's 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 100 so that once it occurs everyone knows that's the outcome um that that concept kind of lingered and so that's when i kind of was like all right well maybe the next step is to do a larger scale anthology compared to what i'm used to and then have pure open submissions um i guess i would say it was it was a meritocracy it was based like i i said no to a lot of friends that sucked like yeah it's just tough to do <laughs> dude it's, i was just like i'm so sorry They're like yeah it <laughs> happens we know like <laughs> yeah so so it was, yeah there's just so many brilliant creators a lot of them a lot of them are first not first-time creators, but are in the earlier stages of their comic creating endeavors. Um, some of them are in college. Some of them, this will be, you know, their first, it, it might be their first print. I know a few of them, this is like their first print of their work, that they're mostly web comics or, you know, they don't, they just do like zines. Well, I guess not zines. But yeah, they, they're mostly on the digital platform. So this would be the first major thing in print, um, which is always very humbling and, and nice to, you know, not nice, but it's, it's giving back to the community. And that's one of the things, you know, I'm always, always striving for giving back to the indie community. Um, I mean, one of the very key parts of organizing this was making sure that the, creators all got a fair page rate 
because you know one of the things is is like like as an editor and like like I, you know this is me wearing my editor hat um is is like knowing that the 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 creators even if let's say if it's like a true cartoonist someone that writes illustrates letters colors does all their stuff all the things at minimum that person is most likely spending i don't know like 12 hours or so between mm-hmm. to like per page um between like creating the script and creating thumbnails and doing doing all this processes i mean that's that's hefty i mean that's a lot of time even if it is split up between multiple months um and and like you know other anthologies that i see on kickstarter are or you know ones that are have pitched submissions but their end goal is for funding to be on kickstarter um asking or offering i should say like fifty dollars for a page rate and it's just like that's unhealthy unstable and especially as mentioned like especially if it's younger creators just you know excited like for any type of monetary compensation for their art art um that's and not even to get back to do does those creators own the story like just can they reproduce the story in any form or fashion you know, it's like all, it just all just seems predatory. So those are the key facts. I was like, no, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pay a good page rate. Um, you know, the Kickstarter is a super high goal. It's 18 grand, but a good chunk of the money is going to straight into the creators, um, you know, going straight to the creators. And, you know, I, I think that's how it should be. Like, I think, especially with hefty anthologies like this, I think, a good chunk of the the funding should go to the creative teams, um, and then all the other ancillary things like you know printing. You know, printing's kind of high right now, um, and then the stupid Kickstarter fees. Kickstarter wants, you know, they want to get their hand in your oh, pocket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like how you actually added the budget at the end of your guys' Kickstarter. So forty nine percent goes to creators, eight percent to shipping, fifteen percent to printing. I think more people should do that so they really know where their money is going when they're donating money into this project. It's like, hey, look, I know it's going to be in the creator's hands, the art that I like. Pretty neat. Do you, so I, you mentioned before that part of the problems with other anthologies is that, you know, who owns the work? In this case, if say one of these stories particularly really takes off, like Purple Lies in the last one, can you mm-hmm. see maybe working with that creator particularly to launch a whole new series based off that work? Not particular. Not at this point. I will say that for for the astute like viewer, you can if you go to the campaign page, it does say volume one. And so the idea is yeah. that we will uh, hopefully in early twenty twenty three start pre production for volume two. And so we, we would I would like very much for some of the creators to come back and either pers- um, not pursue but like write create another story that might be almost linked to their the story that they created so one example is sky bergren he uh he's still in college he's a, he's a young creator but he has his story is of the oldest person like the oldest person with purple eyes within this anthology because like okay. most of the people most of the main characters in all these stories are 
you know, like our like 20s, 30s, and 40s, right? So, right. but he has someone that is at the, at the natural end of their life in their like late 80s or so. And part of that story is someone with someone that has a long time pen pal. And that was that was a you know narrative part of the story, and it does play a significant portion. But we're like, all right, well, you know, we're trying to link things together and you know make things more, you know, not to have too many threads open. We're like, all right, well, we don't have any other people like in their 80s, not even, you know, even if we have like someone when the main characters like parents, it's still not as cohesive. It had to be like someone's grandparents. And we're just like, you know, it's we don't want to force things. So we're like, you know, this guy and I were chatting during one of the Zooms and He's like, I'll just, you know, I'll come back and I think I know who that person is that's been receiving this these letters and who's also been exchanging these letters. So then we'll that'll be his story for volume two. I was like, oh, that makes sense. Then I like that. We're thinking a bit more, you know, we're thinking of it of the volumes then as more cohesive. So like it's <laughs> just like almost like a virus. Like all this, like all the everything is cohesive with each other like within the book and now we're trying to figure out kind of ways to make it cohesive between the two books and like but yeah it's just like it's crazy just thinking of of these younger creators and like they're they're just thinking of way beyond the scope creatively and like narratively and visually it's just and it's, it's fantastic but one of the i think i kind of bounced around a little bit but yeah one of the key things what i mentioned even in the pitch when I had my pitch submission, so everyone knew, um, was like all I ask is that I retain the rights to print the stories within um, the these this anthology. Mm-hmm. But at you know once everyone, and then as far as releasing goes, like once all everyone has their books from the from the Kickstarter physical copies, then you yourself can do whatever you want if you want to. Oh wow make a zine out of it if you want to expand upon it you know that that's fine because my you know kind of what i've been harking at is you these are creators and you spent all those time all that time creating this thing you should at the bare minimum you should be able to do what you want with it um as far as like i said expanding or even print rights um and sharing on social media uh like i said the, the all i ask is that the people that that you know backed and believed in these stories early on they get the you know first dibs of reading these stories i think that's and that's that's not asking anything too radical i think right um but yeah like i said it's if you were a creator you should have creative rights to the things you create i don't care if it's a story or if it's a a table like i don't care (laughs) like if if you create something you should be able to do what you want with it I, I, even as I'm sure as a creator, but even as a reader, that's so refreshing to see that the support that I'm giving to this and stuff is going to a collective of really cool creators working together and not on, underneath any particular structure that's, you know, hammering out pages. <laughs> so that, that yeah. is, that's rewarding as, as both a reader and a, and a creator. Cool. Uh, now, as for the art style, you said, is it, is it unique per story? Yeah, I wanted, that's a good point to know. So the, the sample pages that are on the Kickstarter page are from that original Purple Eye story. Right. And for that story, Sean Dicker, who was the artist for that, and Justin Birch, who did the letters, 
the three of us came up with a very unique visual style of almost like a you know kind of sin city was like our our template um was the black and white the inks on paper with limited color palette of only using purple and that was thematically good for that story and like, like it worked like it was it was highly effective for that story but like i mentioned like when creating that story we were not thinking expansion of this nature and i don't think i honestly don't think we would have chosen any other way different to visually represent the story or present the story um but the i should say the whole book will be in full color um i'm not i at to my knowledge none of the other creator creative teams have expressed they want to go with the similar visual route they want to just go full color and go go crazy and especially since i mean you people can see a portion of uh, a good chunk of the campaign page is like a meet the creators portion yes and there's, there's some top-notch colors in there and i i would personally would be um you know kind of sad just to see them stick with one little color range but yeah there's like some some highly skilled people um so yeah I, I, it's gonna be it's gonna be full color it's gonna be uh, uh it's gonna be fun <laughs> yeah I, I can't suggest that enough guys if you go to the page when you go to the page go towards the bottom and each creator has their little you know spotlight where you can see some of their example work and it just kind of blows your mind away just how talented everybody is that's working on this so please go check that out it's really neat um i, I especially like in that little example one that you put there though is the way that the text bubbles changed for the person who has purple eyes it's just a hint of purple which is just such a really good subtle touch i really like that yeah that was pure justin birch like justin justin's just an amazing letter like i if any young creators are listening to this like always if you personally do not have the skills like lettering is a huge deal like yeah. lettering can make or break comics and especially in indie comics you you can see you can see when people didn't trust the letter or they're like oh it's lettering i'll just do it myself like letters are true skills and justin i've been fortunate that everyone i've worked with is amazing letter worked with <laughs> it's weird to think now i've worked with four different ringo um uh at least nominees ringo nominees uh letterers so they're just been top notch between Aditya Bidikar, DC Hopkins, Justin Birch, and Micah Myers. Uh, but that was Justin's visual flair. Like, like talking with Justin about that, he's like, like with Sean's line art, he's like, I see, I see more effective of being as circular as possible with the with the balloon shape. And he's like, I think having a split, he didn't even tell me. He's like, he showed me the page that like a sample page. And he, then he broke down like his thinking process. I was like, holy crap. And like part of that was, was that visual slight tint of purple within the person with purple eyes having, um, yeah, slight tint of purple in the, in the balloon for the purple with person with purple eyes. Holy, holy moly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was just like, oh, that makes sense. When you see it, like, oh, that makes sense. That, yeah. that, that looks cool. But like him, that was not in the script. That was just pure him as a storyteller even in the lettering stage which is you know which is very very wonderful to see like like true like i said true collaborators like true artists even 
even it's something that people, like you said, in the indie community kind of shrug off. <laughs> yeah, lettering is unsung heroes of comic books. And so it's cool to get the, a little bit of spotlight on them as well. Uh, you guys can also check out that sample page, also on the Kickstarter page. Uh, where else can they be following you guys to get all the updates on Purple Ice? Uh, a lot of us shout into the void a lot. So we're <laughs> I'm primarily on Twitter because it's easier to share visuals as well as links. So uh, fill up with two L's, so P-H-I-L-L-I-P, Myra, which is M-A-I-R-A. So on there, I'm always posting about Purple Eyes and hyping up the individual creators, as well as hyping up my other friends that have Kickstarters or, you know, just hyping up a lot of people that are community. <laughs> like, it's weird. Like, I've thought, whenever I talk to people about, like, I always hear, like, people, like, social media is terrible, like, you know, especially Twitter. Twitter is horrible. But for me, like, I only follow artists. I don't... Yeah. I don't follow any, I don't think, I, I don't even know if I have any family members on Twitter, but like, I don't follow bands. I don't follow celebrities. I just follow artists. So I just yeah. see cool art and it's artists from all over the world. So when I wake up in the morning, I see all the cool art that was happening for the, you know, eight, eight or nine hours. If I'm lucky, I get to sleep. It's usually like five hours, but like <laughs> I, there's just all this new art waiting for me. And I get a new art, art all the, during the day, just super, <laughs> super uh, relaxing. Uh, it sounds like yeah, you're I, doing social media the right way, by the way. <laughs> That's how you're supposed to do it. <laughs> That's it's perfect. Really, it's like, I've, I've heard it like, you know, think of it like in your house. Like, would you just want random idiots to walk through your house and just like <laughs> touch oh. your things and mess things over? Or would you just want, would you want people to come into your house and just hang up cool art on your walls? <laughs> yeah. Like, That's make a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> so you're on Twitter. Anything else, anywhere else that can come find you guys? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. Same thing. Uh, Philip Myra, my name. But yeah, between, I think it's, uh, Twitter is probably a good spot. I'm always um, hyping up all the other creators. Um, but yeah, if you go to obviously Purple Eyes, if you type that into Kickstarter, if you type in, we made a custom URL, so purpleeyescomic.com. Okay. Uh, if you're listening to this, far flung into the future for whatever reason um and the kickstarter is over with and the book's out i'm you know i'm going to update that url to point to my web store so you can get it from there oh perfect okay so yeah guys we're going to make sure we have all those links in the description as well so you guys can click around and make sure you follow everybody there thank you very much for joining me philip i appreciate that <laughs> thanks frank this was great <laughs> all right guys right now head on over to kickstarter and follow philip on twitter and instagram and uh, we'll have another interview soon. Thank you guys very much for joining us. We appreciate it. Bye.